A young African-American visits his white girlfriend's parents for the weekend, where his simmering uneasiness about their reception of him eventually reaches a boiling point. Welcome to Law and Horror. I'm your host, Jeanette, and in a horror movie, I would survive by hiding until I'm forgotten. And I'm your other host, Julie. In a horror movie, I would die investigating the strange sound. I will introduce the movie that we're doing. Well, it's Nettie's Choice, but we're doing Get Out from 2017. It's written and directed by Jordan Peele. It stars Daniel Kaluuya, Allison Williams, Katherine Keener, and Bradley Whitford. Okay, and if you're already familiar with the film, go ahead and skip forward about two minutes. I'm going to give you a summary. (laughs) Chris Washington, a black photographer, is preparing to meet the parents of his white girlfriend, Rose Armitage. Arriving at their estate in upstate New York, Rose's brother Jeremy and their parents, neurosurgeon Dean and hypnotherapist Missy, greet them. Chris witnesses strange behavior from the estate's black housekeeper, Georgina, and groundskeeper, Walter. When Chris is unable to sleep, Missy tricks him into a hypnotherapy session to cure his smoking (laughs) habit. In a trance, he expresses guilt over his mother's death in a hit and run when he was a child and sinks into a void Missy calls the sunken place. Dozens of wealthy white people arrive for the Armitage's annual get-together. Jim Hudson, a blind art dealer, takes a particular interest in Chris's photography skills. Chris meets another black man, Logan King, who behaves strangely. Chris calls his friend, TSA agent Rod Williams, about the strange behavior. Chris tries to photograph Logan inconspicuously, but when his flash goes off, Logan becomes hysterical, shouting at Chris to get out. The others restrain him, and the father, Dean, claims that Logan had an epileptic seizure. Away from the party, Chris convinces Rose that they should leave. Meanwhile, Rose's father holds an auction with a photo of Chris, which the art dealer wins. Chris tries to leave the house, but Rose and her family block him. Chris awakens strapped to a chair in the basement. In a video presentation, Rose's grandfather explains that the family transplants their brains into others' bodies, granting them preferred physical characteristics and a twisted form of immortality. The art dealer tells Chris the host's consciousness remains in the sunken place, conscious but powerless. When the brother comes to fetch Chris for the surgery, Chris knocks him out, kills the father. Chris kills the mother as he tries to escape the house. He manages to get into a car, but crashes soon after due to Georgina, who's the grandmother. Rose hears the struggle and comes after him with Walter, the grandfather. Chris uses the flash on his phone to neutralize him, which allows Walter to regain control of his body. Walter shoots Rose, kills himself. Chris begins to strangle Rose, but stops as Rod arrives in a TSA car and rescues Chris, leaving Rose's ass on the road. (laughs) Her sexy ass. Her sexy ass. She is so beautiful. (laughs) I fucking love Allison Williams. My gosh. They, this, I, I, I jump right into scores because I can't say enough good things. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, you're going to be shocked, but I give this movie five out of five (gasps) teacups. What? (laughs) 
I did too. <laughs> okay, tell uh, me why. Like, I think I've told you before that my standard is like if I, there if I watch a movie and there is absolutely nothing I would change about this movie, and I'm highly critical. So mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm like there's not a single thing I would change about this movie, it's a perfect movie, and Get Out is a perfect movie. I completely agree. I completely agree. It like when I was writing out why I said it, I just said because damn. Like, it's such a charged film that does such a phenomenal job of exploring that unsettling feeling of discomfort when you know something is wrong, but you can't quite identify it. And it's just, it's just unbelievable. And the reason, um, because Julie had a couple different metrics we could pick from. So spoiler alert, I told her that we have to do teacups. And the reason (laughs) is, so I bought you this present like back in April and it still isn't here yet. So it'll probably get here by by the time it's your birthday, by the time I get it shipped out to Alaska. I mean, that's fine. (laughs) But so there's, and I promise you, this is not a plug. This is a genuine, like I became obsessed. Um, There's a company called vulgar teacups i mean vulgar teacups if you want to pay us to talk about your teacups oh yeah please we're not gonna say no (laughs) (laughs) but but um so i i bought us each a vulgar teacup and i was hoping it was gonna it comes monday and i was hoping it would be here today so i could like snapchat it to you live but there's a vulgar teacup special for you that's coming Okay, is is it literally what it sounds like it is? Offensive teacups? Yes. Teacups with vulgar things on them? Yep, exactly. Oh my god, this is so up my alley. Because <laughs> I'm just an offensive grandma in my heart. Oh my gosh, yeah, no, it's so good. You have to check them out. They're so much fun. There's so much variety. And then you can also get them custom made. But we're talking like, there's one, for example, that you, you write on the inside lip of the cup. It says, cunt waffle. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then, uh, the one that I got for myself says dainty as fuck. (laughs) Dainty as fuck is perfect for you. I know, right? Except lately I've been really clumsy. Oh my God. Oh, it's bad. Um, okay. Sorry. I totally distracted, but I, as you know, I can't keep secrets. So when we saw teacups, I was like, I have to tell you about your present. (laughs) Well, and teacups are important in this movie because of the hypnosis. Oh my gosh. It's so... Ooh, yeah. All right, so let's dive right in. Um, I kind of want to start by talking about how um sinister them not wanting Chris to smoke is in a way that, oh. like, I never really noticed before, or at least I didn't notice the first time I watched this yes. movie. Yes, yes. When you're just trying to figure out what's going on. And then there's, like, the scene where they're driving in the car at the beginning of the movie and heading to the Armitage's house Mm-hmm. And Rose gets all upset because Chris is going to smoke and she clearly like doesn't approve. And at the time, it just seems like a sweet girlfriend thing. Like, oh, I just want you to live forever, forever. with me and be healthy. <laughs> but like, that's not <laughs> right. It was. It's, it's damaging the merchandise. Yeah. Holy hell. I, I think that was a great way to say it is that when you watch it through the first time and, and even honestly multiple times, but the first time you watch it and then the second time you just start to notice all the like subtleties that have been planted there and their double meaning. And then when they get pulled over with Rose, one thing I wanted to talk about with that is so what happens is they they hit a deer as they're driving up to Rose's parents house. And one thing that it wasn't until I started to research into this movie, I didn't catch it the first time and I didn't even catch it, honestly, the second or third time, is that when the deer 
is dying or dies. Like it really, it really hits Chris because his mother passed away from a hit and run. And then the police come because they didn't know who to call. And there's an altercation with a police officer. And I believe the initial intention you're supposed to feel is that Rose is, um, kind of sticking up for Chris and the injustice that she feels that she's witnessing by the police questioning Chris for his license when he wasn't the driver. But it's because she doesn't want to leave a trail. Oh, I didn't even get that. Oh, yeah. I oh, had, I read it. I had to read it and I was like, oh, my God, I didn't even catch it. She's not actually oh sticking God. up for him. It's if you give him his license, like there's a trail. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe that's why she was even driving in the first place was just in case something like this happened. Oh, my gosh. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking... I'm sorry. I'm slightly shook because, like, I feel like I should have caught that and I didn't. I didn't either. Wow. I know. That's I feel... cool. So we meet with the parents um, and they're all have sitting down in the backyard for some tea and uh, Georgina... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Tea is just so funny. <laughs> I know. And Georgina literally spills the tea. <laughs> Um, and, and that was one thing I just wanted to point out too, because again, it was, it was through reading it. Even though I've watched this movie so many times, I didn't catch it. She does that because Missy, the mother clinks the spoon against the glass. So like she accidentally kind of like puts Georgina back in that hypnotic state. Oh, it's so mother effing subtle you really got to keep an eye out for it because obviously if it was a little too now i feel like <laughs> i feel like i haven't even watched like i feel like i didn't even like do a good job watching well movie. for for movies where i've seen it before i actually i now do my homework beforehand <laughs> so mm. that way i know what to look for because otherwise i watch the movie and then i research it and i'm like fuck i didn't catch anything <laughs> the worst <laughs> Um, no, there's like a ton of stuff, like just not to jump ahead, but like when they're at the auction party, um, Rose is wearing a red and white striped sweater and Chris is wearing a blue button up shirt and the way they are constantly being paired, it almost looks like an American flag and like that kind of shit is intentional and it's like, oh my God, there's so many layers. I could watch this movie all the time. Speaking of Rose's clothing, though, did you notice that she that she dressed like a cute, like, I don't know, hipster preppy girl throughout most of the movie until it was revealed that she was like in this weird, like, cult thing. And then all of a sudden she was wearing like a button up to her fucking chin and khakis. Oh, yeah. Like, I... And I think that when you when he's cycling through the photos, it kind of looked like maybe her style changed with every person that she was seducing. That was just an observation oh, that I made. Oh, shit. That's a good one. That is a really good one. Oh, yeah, because in one of them, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, now that you point that out, I can see it. I didn't, I didn't catch that either, though, like, initially. Well, I just noticed because her outfit at the end of the movie is so shitty. Like, it, I'm like, that just doesn't even look comfortable. Oh, my god. You gosh. look like such an asshole. The, her character change, oh, haunting haunting (laughs) yeah Um, oh well that's something that i want to talk about too yeah is every person in this family a psychopath like is that even possible i don't know i mean they kind of have to be but that's i don't know how you could do this to other people like the active hunting Mm -hmm. of the other people i don't even mean um the 
customers. Mm -hmm. I feel like the customers could separate themselves from it in a way where they're like, oh, this is fine. Like, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just saving myself. And I didn't hunt this person. I didn't catch them. Mm -hmm. But the family actively hunts these black victims. Yeah. And, you know, brings, kidnaps them and, you know, actually does the procedure and stuff. Like, they can't separate themselves from it. It's not like you're buying... (laughs) <laughs> just to compare like go it's it's a difference between going to a supermarket and buying meat uh-huh. and actually butchering the animal oh my gosh i was thinking the exact same thing when you said that i was like i'm the customer i'm good with that just tell right. me the price well oh just just for the netty's not actually good with it okay <laughs> right right Meaning, i'm talking about meat like <laughs> right <laughs> whoa holy shit <laughs> but so like i i almost wonder could everybody in the family be a psychopath? Would they have to be? Or is it just that they're so indoctrinated in this that they think that this is normal and it's okay? Oh, that would be such a good thing to explore because I it would have to come from the grandparents a little bit because uh, especially the grandfather you learn sort of was the pioneer of this, but it's with the father Dean's uh, neurosurgeon skills that I think they're able to accomplish it. And, and so, the hypnotist skills. Yes. And, oh, and yes, that's the other thing. So, like, these people were adults. These people being um, the Mr. and Mrs. Armitage. Mm-hmm. They are doctor and Dr. Armitage. Yeah. They were both already adults when this started. So it's not like they were raised in this cult setting and told right. that this was fine the way that Rose and Jeremy were. Right. No, oh my gosh, that's, that's such a good question. And I feel like you don't really get to see the grandparents come through, which is which is an interesting struggle. Is like, is this surgery entirely successful? I mean, people are just, they act really weird. Um, but, oh, that would be, I if there's a sequel, not to jump ahead, if there's a sequel, I would love for that to be addressed a little bit. And that's another really good point that you just kind of made in passing. Is this surgery even really working? Yeah. Or do you just live this kind of half-life? Right. Right. I was especially looking for that this time around was the quality. And, like, yes, obviously the people who are the customers, I mean, they're fucking horrible people anyways. But watching Logan King, who is has already kind of gone through this procedure even as even as whoever who is i guess logan king would they change their name they do they change his name so whoever the person is that assumed the body of him seems even off a little bit but i guess we do i guess we don't know for sure no i mean because we didn't get to see many examples but i agree with you that he seemed kind of confused mm-hmm. and, I mean, almost like slight dementia. Yes. Is what it felt like to me. Yeah, like almost trance-like in some, you know, everything was just slow and talking and, oh, yes. And it was just kind of like, you're just like not there. You just kind of want to snap at him. Well, and the thing that I find interesting is that it's not like your brain doesn't age. So you're cutting out somebody's brain and putting it in this younger body. But if that brain is already being plagued by early onset dementia, if you already have some other issues, like, and and just the brain tissue is aging, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a brain specialist, (laughs) a neurosurgeon, but I mean, if your brain is already aging, 
you can put it into a younger body, but you're not going to make any actual neurological problems go away. That's such a good point. Dang. I mean, and that's something that I thought about too, not so much with any neurological issues, but when I cannot remember the blind um, art gallerist's name. It's but something when he, Hudson. Yes. I, I think like Jim Hudson or oh, something. Oh, yes, 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 When yeah. Hudson says that he picked Chris because he wants Chris's eye, I'm like, how Chris is an artist. Like, this is not something where he, like, yes, his eye ha- probably has something to do with it. But you think that by taking his body, you're going to develop his artistic talent. Mm-hmm. And I just don't, I'm not convinced that that would happen. Yeah. Oh my gosh. When that was, when he was first kind of going on about the eyes, I was like, ah, cheapers, creepers. <laughs> gonna take your eyeballs. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was thinking you drink a coffee right when you Sorry. Said that. Oh, Jeepers Creepers. That's one of those like bad, great horror movies. Oh my God. That one, I'm so embarrassed to say, like, legit scares the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Should we finish since we were already talking about the auction? Um, yeah. Do you want to go into that a little bit more? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So that entire like luncheon scene, like leading up to the actual auction, mm-hmm. I want to take that clip. And I want to play it for all the well-intentioned white people who don't know any black people. Yeah. And, like, they don't know how to talk to black people. I'm just like, here's a list of all the microaggressive things that you should not do. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. It, it, that's a fantastic point. The the extremely uncomfortable overcompensation, uneducated. I, I don't know how to describe it. It's so cringy. Like, watch. they're all so desperate to show that they're not racist and they support black people that they're being so offensive and yes. making him uncomfortable. Like, at the end of the day, that's really what they're doing is they're just making him uncomfortable. Yes. Completely agree. Oh, <laughs> re- microaggressions is a great, great way to put that. Oh, I didn't. I didn't invent that. That's a thing. No, no, I know. Racist but that, you identified it. You take all the credit. <laughs> <sighs> um, yeah. And then I was going to note real quick and then we'll was one of the things too is that everyone I didn't know the the symbolism behind it but everyone also is wearing some form of red and like black except for Chris cuz he's in blue so it also helps really point out that us versus them dynamic Oh, I wonder if the the red and black is some sort of behold the coagula thing. That's what I was wondering too. It's very like culty funeralist throughout it's yeah i'm sorry i'm thinking about this scene when he walks out on the porch and i think i think the um asian man's name is hiroki Mm -hmm. Uh, and he goes do you feel like it is advantageous or disadvantageous to be a black person in america today and they all just like stare at him like bro bro (laughs) that might be the cringiest scene in the whole movie but also you're noticing like, the, at least this time around, I, I paid more attention to when they, you know, that c- cringy couple talking about the golfing and they bring up Tiger Woods and everything. But what he's also trying to do is like. They're shopping the product. Yes. Oh. No, I, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I totally cut you off. But no, that's, that's, I know where you're going with that. Yes. Like, it just, I, it still floors me every time. It still does. Yeah. 
just the little subtle things that you, there's no way you have to watch this movie two, three, four, five times. You do. To pick up on everything about this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked what you, you kind of pointed out. Um, I'm looking in our notes about like the black lawn chairs and the black gazebo. I didn't notice that. Yeah. That was just something that I noticed as I was sitting there. Cause there is, I've never even seen a fucking black lawn chair before. Right. I mean, maybe at funerals, but there's just <gasps> mm. something menacing about it. Oh my gosh. And something about funerals too. Cause the, the weird like black car procession that pulls up when this whole thing started and then when they're doing the actual auction and there's that picture of Chris that they're, uh, which, oh my gosh, where the hell did they get that? Um, and it, it looks like almost like Facebook a probably. <laughs> there are so many pictures of all of us everywhere. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, but it, it does. It looks like a funeral photo, like the way you would have somebody's portrait. I remember the first time I watched this movie being so fucking confused during that scene. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know something weird and wrong is going on, but you don't know what. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and before we move on from the auction, <laughs> I just want to laugh about the turkey handshake. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's something I would do, though. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I do that with, like, hugs. It's even worse when it's with hugs. Oh, like when somebody's going to shake your hand and you hug them? Yes, you like go in for a hug and you're like, I can't stop. <laughs> I'm already mid-motion. That's just Newtonian physics. <laughs> Something in motion stays in motion until you catch me. <laughs> I've been having the problem when I've been going into the office lately where I instinctually, like, a detective will come over or something, and I'll instinctually put my hand out to shake, mm -hmm. and then I'll have to, like, recoil. But it's funny oh. because we all have these, like, weird, like, muscle memories. Because mm -hmm. I'll, like, I'll put my hand out and then they'll go to shake and then I, like, pull back like I was trying to fake them yeah. out. <laughs> but, yeah, describe the turkey handshake. <laughs> oh, um, so that's when Chris goes up to Logan and he puts out uh, his fist for, like, a fist bump and Logan grabs his <laughs> fist and shakes it. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's subtle. It's subtle. Subtle discomfort. Subtle miscues and... And, ugh. Well, and this was particularly bad because he, like, this wasn't... My problem is I constantly go for high fives and other people go for fist bumps. <laughs> so we end up doing, like, the high five fist bump. Uh -huh. <laughs> this was, like, a full, like, he fully wrapped Chris's <laughs> hand, his closed fist in his hand, and, like, shook it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's Juno in the background. <laughs> Juno. Um, yeah, and then and then with the auction, like you said, everyone's holding up bingo cards, and I, I didn't fully follow how it was working, but it, it mimics a slave auction, is what it does. Oh yeah, yeah, and but I mean that didn't even occur to me the first time I watched oh, yeah, the movie. Oh yeah, exactly. You don't you don't understand it yet. So that leads to that night, um, you know, where where he I'm gonna kind of combine these scenes together, where he's outside and there's like the running with Walter. And then um, Missy, the mother, hypnotizes him for the first time. I'm just going to kind of, like, stick those together. Um, and then also the bedroom scene with Georgina. I think one of the things that's so weird about the late night running with Walter that kind of makes me think that people aren't all there in the noggin mm -hmm. is that is the way Walter was dressed during that scene. Yeah. Like, he's wearing work clothes, but he's not wearing jogging clothes. Right. And it's... I mean, regardless of who you were, it's it's a weird-ass effing thing. Like, you were running straight at somebody and then curve away. 
And then it's like, sorry about that. I didn't mean to alarm you with my exercises. It's like, what the fuck? I mean, and even when he's just talking to Walter and Walter's apologizing. Mm-hmm. Yes, Walter's talking like just talking like an old white person. Yeah. And he's but he's also kind of not making sense. Right. And that just goes back to I don't think this surgery works all that well. I agree, especially because I would be surprised that. The parents, unless this is all an act solely for when Chris is there, it's like he gave this to his parents and then they just kind of dote on them for the rest of their lives. I don't know. I, I'm I'm sorry. I'm not understanding. Uh, you mean that because the grandparents are like, they're basically functioning as servants? Yeah. Yeah, I wonder that too. Like, do they do this all the time? Or is it just for when Chris comes? Because... This, you know, they can't, they can't have them acting as the grandparents. I think maybe a little bit of both. Because remember when Walter was chopping wood and Chris came out and he's like, oh, they're working you hard, you know, huck huck. Yeah. And, and he goes, nothing I don't want to be doing. That's true. Yeah. But then also with, with Walter in that scene, he says like, oh, like you were with, because Chris doesn't quite really remember if he was hypnotized or not. And he was like, well, you were with Mrs. Armitage for such a long time. It was like, dude, are you just going to blow the cover here or what's happening? Like, you guys do not have your shit together. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay, let's talk about the fucking hypnotism scene. (laughs) Because this terrifies me. Non-consensual hypnotism. (laughs) (laughs) And, I mean, the actress is so, just, it's... The way she starts off, and and you can kind of tell it's where we're going, but then all of a sudden you're in it, and there's no way to get out. Sorry for literally using the movie title with that sentence, but... (laughs) (laughs) Like, just how smoothly she pushes him into it. You know, one thing I find very strange about that scene, though, Uh is when she's giving him shit for smoking, and she goes, do you smoke around my daughter? That's my kid. I'm like, what the fuck? What oh. is what is that about? Like, first of all, it's he's smoking. Like, he's not selling drugs. Mm-hmm. Like, calm down. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you mean? Like, people can't smoke around your daughter? I'm sure lots of people smoke around your daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then just, I don't know. That, that was just a very odd thing. An odd line. Well, especially because that, that's what you care about with your daughter. You don't mind pimping her out. Right? That's something I definitely wanted to talk about. Uh At what point is Rose's method of acquisition prostitution? Right. But God forbid somebody smoke around her. Yeah. But maybe that's also part of the selling it is like, I don't know. But, but yeah, so she starts, she starts with her the whole time. I wish I had the cup and saucer for this, but she just starts like taking no because it would freak me out okay i would be so upset if you started like scraping the spoon (laughs) off but that's what she does now while they're talking she just takes the spoon and traces the inside of the teacup and it just creates as you can imagine that that sound that circular sound over and over again while they're talking yeah no i find that sound that sound is very jarring to me now yeah (laughs) <laughs> like when somebody will accident because I drink a lot of tea and coffee and stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> and when somebody I'm with accidentally makes that noise I'm like stop it <laughs> it's like the um the purge alarm sound <laughs> oh my god yes 
it's exactly like that. I now hear that sound. And I'm just like, my, my adrenaline kicks <laughs> up. I'm like, ah, no. <laughs> and so through this hypnosis, we realize that, um, you know, Chris confesses that his mother passed away in a hit and run and the guilt he feels around that as a child. And, and it, it gets discussed with Rose as well later. Um, Oh my gosh. And it's just, it's just the scene with the actor, just tears streaming down his face. And yeah. One of the most iconic scenes from the movie. It really is. And I have a fun film fact for that later. Oh my gosh. Ooh, I'm looking forward to it. Yes. The, the whole thing where he's conf- confessing the guilt that he still feels about his mother's death to Rose and she's comforting him. Mm-hmm. Rose has to be a fucking psychopath, right? Oh yeah. Like how, how do you comfort a man who is confessing this way to you and not feel any guilt about what you're about to do to him. Oh, yeah. She is freaking Looney Tunes. Because when the deer dies, she doesn't show any empathy. And Chris is kind of shook. And then when that, that that exact scene you're describing. And then at the end when she's on the phone talking to Rod. And her voice. Oh, my God. My favorite scene in the whole movie. Oh I want to talk about it. Because it's my favorite scene okay, in the whole movie. Okay, we'll save it. Oh, my God. Oh. Oh. <laughs> it just gives me the chills. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But we'll, we'll continue on. Um. Do you, was that all you wanted to say about the hypnot? Oh, and then just real, real quick about the sunken place. This is not my, this is completely from, from researching it, that Jordan Peele explained that the sunken place is a metaphor um, for the marginalization of African-American people. And he stated like what he was going for with, with, coming up with this place was no matter how hard we scream, the system silences us. Fuck. It's just like, I'm so, thank you. Thank you for, for bringing that up because I had not heard him talk about that before. So I appreciate having that. Information. Yeah. I mean, he just, there's, he did such a phenomenal job in crafting this film that, yeah, I found just a couple interviews with him where it was like, I, I can't say this any better than he can. I can't. Absolutely. So. Ugh. Well, and it's not really our place to say it better than he can. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, yeah. All right, you next. Okay, so one of my favorite scenes, not my absolute favorite scene, because I just said that that was the scene where Rose is on the phone, mm-hmm. but one of my favorite scenes in this movie is the bedroom scene with Georgina. Oh, Again, yes. the surgery doesn't work as well as they wanted us <laughs> to believe it works. So... <laughs> Where Chris is in the bedroom and he had complained to Rose that Georgina had unplugged his phone and he thought it was because she was mad that he was with a white woman Mm -hmm. and Rose kind of gaslights him a little bit in this Mm -hmm. scene. She gaslights him throughout the whole movie, obviously. But she does it as a joke. Yeah. And well, that's a form of gaslighting, though, Like like minimizing it and laughing about it and like. Like, she says to him, oh, you're just so sexy that people are just unplugging your phone. It's like, that's not even what he said. He wasn't saying that Georgina wants to be with him. Right. He was talking about a cultural disapproval yeah. of interracial couples. Mm-hmm. And she, like, turned it into a joke. Yeah. But anyway, um, so she, I guess, says something to Georgina off screen. And Georgina comes in and apologizes to him and explains that she unplugged it by accident and that she didn't want to mess with it. Mm-hmm. And then he he confesses to Georgina, confesses, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. that he's a little uncomfortable and that they're, you know, that when he gets around a huge group of white people, you know, it makes him a little nervous, which makes perfect sense. 
and Georgina has this very bizarre reaction where you can tell that real Georgina mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, whatever that that victim's name actually is. Yeah, we don't, don't know if yeah, it's Georgina or not. It. Yeah. We're, but the real victim is kind of coming through and grandma is having to fight her down. Yes. And there's, she's like, no, no, that hasn't been my experience at all. And she's also crying right. as she says this. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It's so gut-wrenching to re-watch knowing that there is somebody trapped in that sunken place who what Chris said resonated and was trying to break free but couldn't. Yeah, absolutely. The first time I watched it, I was just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, it was just very uncomfortable. I And then now when I rewatch it, the feeling is just like sadness and yeah, and I feel almost sadder when I really think about it because you can't save the people whose bodies have been stolen. Right. Like, their brains have been discarded. Yeah. There's no coming back for it, which, again, like, at first when I watched the film and the ending with Walter, it was like, whoa. And then re-watching it now, it's like, that's kind of the only option. Yeah, absolutely. Like. Because, they, yeah, like, his brain, is literally, his brain was thrown away like trash. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they do. They just like, boom. I mean, you see what he does to the, when the father is prepping the art dealer's brain. Yeah, when he just drops Hudson's scalp in the trash. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that seemed to hurt my stomach a little bit. Wet rug sound. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. And then can we just like jump in real quick with like when he does talk to Rod about what's going on and and he's just like, oh shit, sex slaves. And he goes, sex slaves. Sex slaves. And I mean, he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. Episode title. I mean, he wasn't wrong. Rod wasn't wrong. Rod wasn't wrong. <laughs> oh, fuck. I think I might have a little crush on Rod. Is that weird? No. He is such a voice of reason, and he sees through very quickly into Rose, where he's like, oh, you bitch, like, you smart little bitch, and all that stuff, and then when she- <laughs> He's like, that bitch is a genius. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right at the end, where he's like, fuck, I just got outsmarted by her. Oh, <laughs> oh, Yeah. Okay, it combined with my love of Rod, then I'm going to go and talk about my favorite scene, which is the scene where Rod calls, he's calling Chris's phone like crazy, trying to reach Chris. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly Rose answers the phone and she's like, Chris, (laughs) like, and her voice sounds so broken. Uh And they have this conversation where she's like making these, her voice is weepy. Uh And she's like, I'm so confused. And like, her voice has a lot of emotion in it. Yeah. If you were to listen to just the audio, it would be incredibly moving. Well, yeah, maybe. I mean, we, we, at that point, we already know that she's a crazy bitch. So, (laughs) but then when they flash over to, um, Allison Williams sitting there, her face is not fucking moving. Oh my God. Like the only thing that's moving are her lips. So her face is still as a statue Uh and she's going, I am so scared. And like, or like whatever her fucking lines are. And she's making this very emotional voice, but not moving her face. Uh Uh-huh. Allison Williams is such a good actress. Oh Nobody appreciates her enough. Oh my, oh my God. Yeah. It's, it is, it is flawless. Flawless acting. I was sitting there just like, how many times did you have to practice this? <laughs> oh just... my God. Like, so, so distressing. <laughs> and that's such a good point. Distressing. This just like stoic face 
but the voice coming out is i mean just it just shows how much of a practiced con artist she is well and it's so disturbing i want to know whose idea was it for the kids to go out and do the kidnapping mm-hmm. of these black victims like what what is the family's how did the family prep them for this like was allison excuse me was rose told to like go seduce black people right and bring them back because they're one of the things that's awkward in that scene is that after Rod starts recording the phone call, because he's like, I've got her. I'm going to get this crazy bitch to say something incriminating Mm -hmm. on this recording. And then she throws him off by being like, I know you want to fuck me, Rod. I see how you look at me. And he freaks out. Yeah. Her family is like standing there listening to her say, I know you want to fuck me. Oh, yeah. On the phone. They're just kind of like, okay. Like, Yeah. yeah. Well, and she obviously, she sleeps with all of these victims. I think we can assume. I would assume as well. Which is, I mean, obviously that's not the worst thing that she does. Yeah. But it's just so bizarre that her family's like, yeah, Rose goes out and she seduces black people and brings them back to us. I'm like, what, at what point is this like some weird prostitution? Like, right. I don't understand right. and how you're okay with this. Yeah. And then like you, like wh- how it, it juxtaposes with Jeremy's method of acquisition, you know, cause it's, it's something that it happens in the very beginning of the film is Jeremy is like wearing like a night helmet or some shit and he he <laughs> grabs um grabs Andre and in a scene that's both really scary but also funny because Andre Andre's like not me not today I'm just gonna walk this <laughs> then, way <laughs> and then the music that's playing they're like run rabbit run rabbit like uh-huh. <laughs> Um, well, and he throws him in the, like, everything about that scene is so well done. Mm-hmm. Like, he th- he's driving this very expensive sports car, yeah. and they're walking in this really nice neighborhood. Uh-huh. It is not a neighborhood where somebody should be kidnapped, and that is not a car that somebody should be thrown in the trunk of, you yeah. know? So it just kind of turns all of our assumptions on their head. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And then um, Hudson, the art dealer, mentions when he's kind of talking to Chris and explaining like, hey, this is what's about to happen to you. um, That, oh, well, you know, at least you got to be acquired by Rose because Jeremy's method of acquisition is so, you know, like aggressive or violent. Yeah, so all the customers know, too. Whatever it is. And it's just like... and then, But then, like you said, when they find... When Chris finds um, all the photos of Rose's past lovers aka victims and there's so there's many a, of them there's so many oh my there's god so there's so many and then and, and then at the end of the not the well it's it's at the end of the film when she's um when she's sitting there on her laptop she's looking up nba up and coming athletes oh yeah she's clearly like on the hunt on the yep. prowl just scouting for the next fi- oh my god uh do you want to talk about the symbolism of the deer? Yes. Yes. Okay, so it sounds like you found a film fact about this, which makes me feel super smart. Yes. No, it, yeah, you are you are brilliant. I only acquired it through the film fact, so. <laughs> <laughs> Something I noticed, though, while I was watching this movie was that deer pop up a lot. Like, we have the roadkill deer at the beginning, mm-hmm. which we later find out really bothered Chris because his mom was killed by a hit-and-run driver. Yeah. So we have that deer at the beginning, And then we have this kind of awkward scene when they get to Rose's parents' house and Mr. Armitage says something like, "Um, when I see a dead deer on the side of the road, I think that's a start. 
Yeah. And then when Chris is tied up, there's a deer head on the wall, which he ends up killing the dad Mm -hmm. with the antlers of that deer. And so I kind of started to wonder, like, do the deer represent black people in general in this movie? Yeah. And you completely nailed it. So the the film fact that I kind of discovered was that when the dad is talking about how little he cares for deer and bucks, um, a black buck was a racist slur used in post-Reconstruction America for black men who refused to bow to white authority. And so exactly like you said that makes his death extremely fitting because it's at the hands of a symbol of his own racism oh i didn't know about that but you got there so i was i was very satisfied with the dad's death oh me i was satisfied with all of their deaths like i'm happy that jeremy got beat to death oh yeah that's right okay let's talk about the final night and the final showdown okay now (laughs) everybody dies it's wonderful Because they all fucking deserve it. <laughs> they all fucking deserve it. Ugh. And like, and there's, there's no, okay. This is a really good segue into something else I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem and why they all had to die. Mm-hmm. There's no justice at the end of this mm-hmm. for anybody other than their death. You can't save the victims as I already talked about. Yeah. The people who have already been, um, had their heads chopped open. Yeah. Like obviously Chris can be saved. Yeah. But you can't save the people who have already undergone this surgery. Mm-hmm. And also, what are you going to charge the Armitages with? You could charge them with kidnapping. You could charge them with aggravated assault. Mm-hmm. But you can't charge them with murder. Even though what they did feels like murder to the common person, mm-hmm. under a legal definition, it is not murder. Holy shit. So you could only charge them with battery and assault. Holy shit. That's so I, that's just something I was thinking about. I'm like, what, what does he do now? Like, he can't go and be like, these people tried to murder me because they technically didn't. Fuck. I don't even know. Because that was one thing I thought, too, is like when, um, when he kills the dad and apparently we're operating with surgery with like open flame candles because that's, you know. That's sanitary or whatever. <laughs> it, it starts. Behold the coagula. This is very Lovecraftian. <laughs> yes. And he, um, but it starts a fire. So I guess I, I, I would imagine with today's technology, we could figure out like what the fuck is an operating room doing down in someone's basement. But my other fear was like, we're losing all the evidence. Like no one's going to believe him. Right. And I mean, it might be worth it to get like a journalist in there. Mm-hmm. If they hadn't lost all the evidence, obviously they did. But it might be worth it to get a journalist in there. Legally, though, and criminally, there's not a whole lot to hold these people on. So it's good. I'm glad that they fucking died. That's unbelievable. I didn't even think of that. That, like, to me, it's so blatantly murder, but under the legal definition, yeah, they're standing And there. I mean, philosophically and morally, yeah. I think we all recognize it as murder. Ugh. Don't you love how the law is so divergent from <laughs> ethically, morally, logically, philosophy? Like, but no, but legally, it's the opposite. <laughs> so Chris is a fucking final girl. He saves his own damn ass. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And I say that with the highest of compliments. I call him a final girl. Yes. So he inserts the cotton earplugs. He like pulls cotton out of the armchair and inserts those earplugs so that he can't be hypnotized. Which is a huge fucking metaphor there too, that he's literally picking cotton to save his life. 
oh fuck yeah i didn't even pick up on that yeah i did i picked up on it because it's such an old chair it doesn't quite look like the synthetic fluff that would normally mm. be in like a cheap chair it's it's cotton how expensive would a chair stuffed with real cotton be? oh i'm sure it's a family fucking heirloom for these people oh probably Ugh. yeah you're right probably from back in the day when they owned slaves exactly <laughs> so chris then waits for fucking jeremy <laughs> who's the same brother as the brother in the last exorcism i wish that we had done that on purpose but we did not oh damn we could have pretended we could have been like who caught it we were so clever <laughs> I can't, you know I can't lie. <laughs> That's true. She can't at all, people. <laughs> <laughs> Nettie would be like, uh, so we did this on purpose, just to tie into the last extra. I'd be like, <laughs> I would be the worst criminal. <laughs> I would not. I am not on Rose's level. I would not be able to seduce and kidnap people. <laughs> I think that's okay. I think that's a that's a positive quality, Julie. Can you imagine if I was Rose and I was like at a bar trying to like flirt with some dude and like take him out and be like, I'm trying to kidnap you so my family can cut out your brain. <laughs> but then some guy would probably be like, oh, such a funny joke. And it'd be like, okay, you're it kind like, of works. Oh, you're weird. I like that. Yeah. You're, you're funny. <laughs> you're hot. You can say whatever you want. And man, if, yeah, if I look like Allison Williams, I would literally do whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway so he waits for fucking jeremy who's maybe the worst character in the movie like not morally the worst but definitely the one i wanted to beat in the head yes, the most yes i agree <laughs> and he picks up a fucking i think it's a croquet ball i think so I mean, it's huge i know it looks too big to be a croquet ball but yeah. i don't know what else it would be but he picks up this giant heavy solid ball mm. which i'm also like they have croquet balls fucking white people mm -hmm. and i say that and i can say that because if there was alcohol i would play the shit out of some croquet <laughs> if i went to somebody's house and they were like here we have an open bar of prosecco would you like to play pro play croquet i'd be like fuck yeah i want to get drunk and play croquet julie <laughs> croquet and cocktails <laughs> croquet and cocktails chris picks up this huge heavy ball and hits jeremy in the head mm-hmm and then double taps Jeremy like like a fucking final girl should. Yep. And manages to get out of the room. Mm -hmm. And then I think then he next kills the dad with the deer head. Yep. Which we already talked about. And then um and then he goes upstairs. Okay, this is the one thing he does fail right here is he sort of he doesn't bring any other weapon with him. There's obviously like he just walks past the surgical room where I'm sure there's knives and scalpels and things. Um so he walks upstairs, the grandmother uh, Georgina sees him and just kind of runs away and then he sees the mother and they have like a little mini show off where they both look to see where her teacup and saucer are because that's how she can disarm Chris she can use it because he's been hypnotized to knock him and make him incapacitated and they both yeah it's interesting because she's technically the biggest threat to him even though she's mm -hmm. not gonna be physically the strongest most dangerous person in that house mm -hmm. she's his biggest threat yeah and he still allows I don't know if allows the right word but he it she attacks him first it, you know, with Jeremy, he takes advantage of the fact that he's he's distracted and thinks that Chris is unconscious. With the father, he, you know, attacks blindsidedly, but, like, it's so badass. With the mother, he knocks the cup and saucer. It breaks. So she, it's now just him versus her. And he still doesn't attack her. She attacks him with what I assume is, like, a letter opener or a small knife. Oh, my God. And she stabs him through the hand. And he doesn't make a sound. Like, I mean, 
as far as him atta- not attacking her first, it just goes to show that he's a morally good person. Uh-huh. Like, after he destroyed the teacup, he's like, this is an older woman, a middle-aged woman. Mm-hmm. I'm a young, strong man. I, she's not a threat to me now. Yeah. And I'm going to leave. Mm-hmm. So it just it just goes to show that he's not try- He's not being like, I'm. this family made me mad. I'm going to murder all of them. Yeah. That's not his fucking goal. His fucking goal is just to survive. Yeah, exactly. And then and then actually what's interesting is that she dies somewhat off screen. You hear the slice of what you would assume is the final, like, I don't know, to her neck or something like that. And so then and she drops and he walks away. Um, he tries to make it to the front door and is then attacked from behind by Jeremy, um, who... I really want you to dive into this because he starts to choke Chris out and he's counting. He's like one Mississippi, two Mississippi. And yeah, because I think it's something like the average person loses consciousness um, if they're if they're being um, strangled Mm -hmm. is technically the word because choke is technically when you have something in your mouth that is covering your. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So that's a that's a colloquial word is when you say, when you put your hands on somebody's throat and you're like, oh, they choke them. It's like technically medically speaking, uh-huh. you only choke if you're like have something in your mouth okay. or in, inside your throat. Okay. So he's technically even though he's in a choke hold, mm-hmm. quote unquote, he's technically strangling him. And I think I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but I think it's something like if you're strangled and your airway is completely cut off. It'll probably be about a minute before he loses consciousness, depending on how much pressure he's putting on the airway. Mm-hmm. And then if his goal is to kill him, if at that point he's like, he just killed my dad, I'm going to kill this guy, he then has to hold on to him even after he loses consciousness. Oh, okay. Like when people pass out, they're not dead. Unless you've done severe damage to the airway, which is possible. You can damage that airway by force. force. You can break the hyoid bone and that can cause problems. Um, Yeah, that's a free-floating bone Mm. at the base of your like chin where your, like, chin meets your throat, there's just, like, a loose fucking bone of cartilage there. Isn't that gross? I don't know why that grosses me out so bad. It's so gross. (laughs) I feel like I should actually do real, like, pull up my real notes on strangulation and, like, insert an actual, like, medical lecture here (laughs) instead of just being like, oh, what I recall. (laughs) No, I I thought it was a tremendous job. But through that, Chris is able to, like, stab him in the leg because he still has the the knife or whatever it was from the mother. So there we go. He once he got the weapon, he didn't drop the weapon. Um, he uses so it. smart. He double taps and he holds onto his fucking weapon. Yep, exactly. And then he fucking Jer- Jeremy gets knocked down and he beats him to death with his feet, like or with his foot. Like I think he oh, probably oh when you hear him stomp his face in, oh. like you hear the yeah squilch. you don't see it you don't see it. We just hear it. I think I would rather not hear it, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd rather that's, see it than hear yeah, it. Yeah, there's something about it that's like, we watch the dad get impaled with antlers, and there's holes where there shouldn't be holes, and, and things like that. But <laughs> but with the, with the death of the mother and Jeremy, they don't show it, which is very interesting. But you're right, it relies so heavily on audio that it's, it's almost just as bad. But after watching <laughs> Midsummer. I'm good. With no- <laughs> I've had as much face caving in as my brain can handle. You're like, I know what it looks like. Oh, I know it was made with hydraulics, but it doesn't help. <laughs> um, and then he, he goes and he gets in the car to get away. And 
he, <laughs> he runs over grandma. <laughs> what? I mean, but I mean, during this whole interaction, Rose is like upstairs. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. She only responds or seems to react when she hears grandma get hit by the car as opposed to the beatings and, you know, um, um, the teacup crashing and a fucking fire being started downstairs. She's just totally oblivious. But yes, what's she doing in her room, Julie? Uh, she is hunting. She's on the prowl for new victims. Mm-hmm. And she is eating a bowl of Fruit Loops and drinking milk. Yeah. She didn't put the milk in with the Fruit Loops. No. She's just, like, ha- and drinking milk through a straw, yeah. too. Yeah. It's so... It's so psychotic and discomforting. And and she's also, like, biting the Fruit Loops in half. Like, she picks up a single Fruit Loop uh-huh. in her fingers and, like, bites it in half. Yeah. And then later, like, takes a sip of milk from the straw. and Multiple. Like, she's just holding it and just, like, sucking down milk through the straw. What the fuck? Who drinks milk through a straw? <laughs> like, I almost think that's worse. I don't know. It's so, it's so fucking weird. And then I, I did read that, um, that it can also be a symbol for how she doesn't mix anything with her white milk. Um, but I just oh. think that it, it, it doesn't explain the fact that she's... There, there is a weird moment of like I almost feel confident in saying this is something she did as a child, and that like this is her comfort zone. So you know, like we all have like the weird shit that we eat or or our comforting things. This to me is like how she ate cereal as a child. I don't know. I just feel strongly about that. You know, it also occurred to me that after they make the big reveal to Chris, like I made the comment that her clothing changes. Mm-hmm. Did you notice her hair was also in a ponytail for the rest of the movie? Yeah, very pulled back. Or was, like, back. loose? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Okay. And then, so, yeah, then she re- uh, she hears something happen. It's Grandma getting hit by the car. And Chris has a flash to when he was a child waiting for his mom to come home. Because, like we, we've, we've said, his mom was uh, killed by a hit and run. And he, he even says, he's like, don't stop. Like, just keep going. Like, Chris, just keep going. But he can't. He can't leave her. He can't do it again. And the way he feels, he let his mom down by not calling for help sooner. Um, sure. And he goes and he picks her up and he puts her in the passenger seat thinking, like you said, maybe he knows this is a victim. He knows this is somebody who needs help, but... There is no help for this person. It's crazy grandma in the body. She comes to, attacks him for destroying her home. They crash. She dies. And when she dies, the scar across her forehead is is really visible. So I think that kind of alludes to all the times we see her sort of like creepily fixing her bangs. Um, she's trying to cover that scar. Um, I mean, so you take over a body and you have to wear a hat forever. That sucks. <laughs> That would, that would be and like that would be like if I was one of these evil white people like my that would be my main thing is I'm like but does this person have a hat face <laughs> I don't I can straight up say I don't and I don't have the face for bangs either so <laughs> I'm out <laughs> nobody like, wants I can't my be body harvested. I would look terrible <laughs> <laughs> fuck and then so this leads to just such an epic showdown with Rose she comes out with a shotgun and, or is it, it, actually, you know what, I think it's a hunting rifle. Excuse me, I don't, I don't know if it's, a, I think it's a hunting rifle. It's not a shotgun. And um, she says, like, get him, Grandpa. And Walter comes racing after 
Chris. So, so then, so then, um, uh, Rose, uh, shoots at Chris a couple times, fucking misses. And I'm sorry, he was, like, completely dazed from the car crash. I don't know how you miss, but she does several times. And he wasn't that far away <laughs> either. It's like that scene in Mulan. <laughs> when she's shooting the mountain, but everybody thinks that she just missed. Yeah, Mushu's like, and Mushu's like, he was three feet in front of you. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I watched that. I was just like, I'm glad she misses, but I'm also just like, really? <laughs> and, and, um, she's and a so, stormtrooper. So then uh, she's like, either the gun jams or she has to reload. So Walter comes running, tackles Chris to the ground. During their struggle, Chris is able to get his phone and takes a picture, which results in the same flash that um, sort of woke Logan King. And it, it, it wakes Walter up and, you know, Rose doesn't catch it. I'm, I'm a somewhat surprised Rose missed the connection because she is so sharp. Um, and Rose hands Walter the gun because he's like, let me do it. You know, like I'm the, I'm the authority. I'm the grandfather here. So she hands him the gun and he turns and he shoots her in the stomach and then turns the gun on himself. And at first, like, when I first watched it, I was a bit surprised by that. But exactly like you said, there's no coming back from this. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, so then Rose is laying on the ground and Chris gets up and she tries. She she tries to still be a fucking seductress. And she's like, I, I love you, Chris. I'm so sorry. I'm like, really? Like, how are you going to explain this? Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah. And it, it, at first, the way the scene plays out, like, he's kind of nodding. And I was like, no, Chris, No. And then his hands close around her throat. (laughs) Which, to be honest, working in domestic violence field, it makes me uncomfortable to Mm. see a man strangle a woman any circumstance. But if there was ever an okay time, this is it. (laughs) Um, And then, oh, I want you to say it. While he's strangling her, what does she do? She fucking smiles at him because she's a goddamn psychopath. Oh my god, it's so fucking twisted. And then it's like she loves that he's now like doing an evil thing, quote unquote. Right. Like I knew you had it in you. Yeah, like you were my favorite, that bullshit. Oh fuck. It's so it's just it's both masterful and horrifying at the same time. But again, he's he still keeps the moral high ground because he doesn't actually strangle exactly. her. Like he, it's like he knows that she's actively dying and he's like, I don't need to do this. I can't yeah. 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 I don't need this. Mm-hmm. And like, he's like, she's no threat to me now. And he just gets up and he starts to leave. But then a fucking cop car pulls up, which I remember the first time I watched this movie, mm-hmm. my heart dropped Sank. to like my butt. Yep. When that cop car pulled up, I'm like, oh, this is this. This is how that movie is going to end. Yeah. He he was fucking victimized. Mm-hmm. And now a cop is going to pull up and see a dead girl. Yeah on the side of the road and this cop is going to shoot him. Yep. And she immediately, a dead white girl. Yep. And as soon as the cop car shows up, she's like, help, help. Like she's already got her story right. started. Yeah. And, and he's she's already, sorry, go ahead. <sighs> no, no, no. That was it. I was just agreeing. Well, and, and, and I just and have a lot of feelings. He's the victim <laughs> who has just been through all of this. And as soon as the lights go, he starts to back up and put his hands up. Like, he already yeah. knows. He already knows, like, how this is going to look, how it's going to go down. I think all black men already know. Yep. I think all black men behave like, this cop might shoot me. Yep. I've got a lot of cop friends. I'm not talking shit on cops. Mm-hmm. I'm just acknowledging a problem. Yeah. And, but then it's fucking Rod to the rescue! Rod! My heart and soul. Fucking T-S-A. 
<laughs> there aren't enough um, decent men in this movie to do a fuck, Mary kill, but just like, spoiler alert, I would marry Rob. I think we can both fucking marry him. <laughs> I mean, imagine, not only is he useful, he fucking saves the day, so he's already useful, and like, I just feel like he'd be a really fun, loving husband. He is so, he's, oh, yeah, he's a fantastic character in this and and yeah, so then the film ends with him getting Chris out of there and and they leave together. At least that's the film like version of the ending. I did see in your film facts that you're gonna talk about an alternate ending mm-hmm. and I'm thrilled. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that there was one, so I'm so excited. No, this all actually came out from look trying to find the skeleton key alternate ending i was on you know i was on youtube and i was like trying to dig it up and i was like really like this isn't out there somewhere for me to find for free and then what came up was the get out alternate ending and i was like say what and oh it hits you <laughs> and that's when you're like my next pick is gonna be get my out. next pick is get out because it's a <laughs> sign i've had so many signs that it's it's time <laughs> so what do you think happens after the end of this movie so with this ending I'm thinking, okay, there's, like, the one I want to hope and pray for, which is that they are able to, because Rod, at one point in the film, goes to the police, and he's laughed at, and he's not taken seriously. So, the dream ending- That scene made me so mad. Like, I know that scene's supposed to be funny when the detectives are like, oh, don't say I didn't do nothing for you. And, like, but Rod's just sitting there, and he's like, my friend might be going to die. Right, it's, it's... Or, like, something terrible might be going to happen to my friend. Like, this isn't funny to me. Right, because there's that layer of also, like, I can't trust the police. Yeah. You know? And the police, or at least the police aren't going to save me. Right, right. And, of course, yeah, so there, I, I'm, I'm actually going to admit, I skip that scene a lot of times. It, it just, it hurts my stomach too much. I don't find it funny. Uh, yeah, and it upsets me because it's supposed to be funny, and it's not funny. Well, and I think, Pe- I, I'm assuming that Peel, like, on the surface level, it's supposed to come off as funny. And then on the other hand, it's like, and this is what happens when you try to get help through the proper channels, and it falls on deaf ears. Oh, good point, good point, good but, point. But, I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know for sure. Um, I'm sorry, though. You were telling me what your theory of what happened after okay, this was. Okay, so my, my dream ending is that the police investigate. They find the room even though it kind of burned and this whole thing is uncovered and a reporter comes out and it it gets blasted out there and everything is revealed what i think probably happens with this ending is that rod and chris probably don't say anything and just Mm -hmm. go on with their lives yeah i am so that's what I think happened is that they just go on with their lives, which I'm happy that they can. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a victory. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping the house burns completely to the ground because I feel I, I'm concerned about people going in there and finding Chris's prints oh, uh-huh. on all these dead people because they're going to know that these people didn't die in a fire. Right. They're, they can tell that. Um, but Chris didn't. I don't think he ever touched that hunting rifle. Mm, so I don't think, think so. his prints are on that. Nope. Um, he did touch Rose, but it's, I don't think they're going to pull Prince off her neck that way. Cause she wasn't strangled. So they want, I don't even think they check for that. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't even know if you can pull Prince off somebody's neck actually I now that I say after that. after a certain amount of time you can't, or according to a CSI episode, there's a very short window. Yeah. So I'm hoping that he gets to go on with his life Yeah, and, um, maybe go to therapy. Yeah. Well, oh my gosh. <laughs> therapy for everybody. 
Not that he'll ever trust a therapist. Oh my god, I didn't even... Oh, fuck. Uh, Fuck, because Missy... Oh, no. But I just don't... I don't have any faith in the system to actually unravel this. But my other... My other thing, though, like, as well as, like, Rod and Chris are able to live happily ever after, Mm -hmm. quote-unquote, I think this whole coagula... This Behold the Coagula cult Uh is dead... Is done. Like, it's dead. Yeah. Because... They can't do it without the neurosurgeon and the hypnotherapist. Right. Yeah. It's so over. that's over. It's over. So like there's no justice for the people that have already been victimized, mm-hmm. but at least it's over. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So one question though, and again, I, I'll jump ahead. Like there, there is not a, to my knowledge, there isn't a get out to in the books or anything like that. Um, is Rose dead? She looked dead at the end of the movie. Oh, but you're right. To I bring... totally forgot. You're right. There is like an actual like, she goes limp. You're right. I totally forgot that. Sorry. Ignore. But mm. I think that if they wanted to make a sequel, they could have her feel like she didn't die. And I think I don't think that would be like insane. You know, that wouldn't be unbelievable. Yeah. So what is the law from the film that you would... So when I was trying to come up with my law, I made a lot of joking laws, like (laughs) never meet your girlfriend's parents. Don't trust white people. (laughs) My actual law is never stop fighting. Oh, I love that. So, okay. I I was in the same boat in terms of like, I struggle to find one where I, we've already used them as laws. I was like, use what you have or double tap or the one I came up with. It's very similar to the one I used in the descent where I was like, always leave a note. And this one I said, call a friend. That was the forest. Oh shit. Sorry. Thank you. The forest. Um, this one was a uh, call a friend because had he not talked to Rod, the alternate ending I'm going to talk about is the ending that happens. Guaranteed. Ooh. Okay. All right. I'm excited. I'm excited to discuss okay. that. Um, so why don't we go ahead and jump into the film facts then? Because I want to hear the alternate <laughs> And I see I don't it. care about any of these other facts. <laughs> no, you do. You want to hear them. <laughs> okay. So um, the inspiration for the film, uh, Peel said, came from an Eddie Murphy stand-up routine and his stand-up routine called Delirious, where in it he says something along the lines of, in the Amityville horror, the ghost told them to get out of the house. White people stayed in there. And so according to Peel, this was absolutely one of his motives for making the movie. Eddie Murphy is talking about the difference between how a white family and a black family would react in a haunted house. The entire film was shot in 23 days. It was filmed in Fairhope and Mobile, Alabama for budget cuts and like tax cut reasons. They were actually supposed to film in L.A. Um, Peel, his favorite horror movie is The Shining. And well, maybe I should take back my theory, though, that The Shining is actually racist. <laughs> maybe it's not. If Jordan Peele likes it, it's obviously well, not. He just he makes some references to it where um, in the very beginning when Andre is lost in the suburbs, he says it feels like I'm walking through a hedge maze. Um, hmm. The number 237, our favorite room number, is referenced sure. over the PA system. But I actually didn't catch that in the film. Um, even though I was meant to look for it. Um, what PA, what PA system? I'm not sure. That's what the film fact oh. was. And then I, but I, I wasn't, I wasn't actually. Oh, probably at the airport. One of the times oh, you were at the airport. that's probably what, it, or maybe like in the officer station or something. Well, oh, that, you know what? Yeah. It's probably that. Cause I skipped that whole scene. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that really, this kind of came from like him thinking about what is my greatest fear. 
and and sort of this coming to. This film also joins a handful of other horror films that were nominated for the Academy Award for Best Picture. The other ones were The Exorcist, Jaws, Silence of the Lambs, Sixth Sense, and Black Swan. Um, and then Daniel Kaluuya can actually cry on cue. So he nailed this audition. Peel made a joke that he's officially retired from acting after seeing how Daniel did this because in that scene where uh, Missy is hypnotizing him and his eyes are open and they're just crying tears, he had to do a couple takes of that scene and every time it was the exact same number of tears. Are you fucking serious? I am fucking serious. I don't even know. That's insane. I, it, I, I, I like, just bow down. Just bow down. <laughs> yeah. He won. Um, okay, and then music for the film. So Michael Abels is the one who did the entire score. And he was actually, or is, a California music teacher. And he had never scored a professional motion picture before. And then there's two films. And the score in this movie is amazing. Oh, it's so good. I love the music in this movie. Oh my gosh, it's so good. And so there's two songs I wanted to highlight. The first one is Childish Gambino's Redbone. And the lyrics in that, it plays right in the beginning um, when Chris, I believe, is packing for the trip. And it says lyrics like, stay woke, they're going to find you, they're going to get you. Very foreshadowing. So the other one is the Swahili song that's played at the beginning and at the end where it is a literal warning that translates to brother, listen to the ancestors, and warns Chris to run far away and save yourself. And then also a section on did you catch it? So uh, some fun little Easter eggs in the film. The front of the Armitage house, it has these two... Um, not, I'd say like half columns, some decorative things out front with an Omega symbol on each of them, which literally means the oh. end. So when Chris is pulling up, he's arriving to his house, the house, which is the end. And, um, as we talked about, Walter constantly wears a hat. Georgina fixes her bangs. They're hiding the lobotomy scars. Um, the dad also has has a pronoun antecedent slip. So when he's talking to how he couldn't bear to let his parents, um, when he's talking about when his parents died and that Georgina and Walter worked for them, he couldn't bear to let them go. It's implying that he kept Georgina and Walter on as an act of kindness when really what he's saying is, I couldn't let my parents go, so I came up with this procedure and did it this way. Oh. And then when Chris is watching the video, there is something in the TV repeats, a mind is a terrible thing to waste, which is an actual slogan for the United Negro College Fund. And it was also voiced by Jordan Peele. He said that one line. And Jordan Peele provided the moan of the dying deer. Oh. Yeah. So he says that's one of his hidden talents is like animal noises. But he would, <laughs> he's, he's like, I don't want to be cast for stuff like that. Okay, um, I'm going to jump really fast. So the sequel, question mark, Peel is open to it, but it will not be a cash grab. It's something that has to be the right project. And then to end, and I will also post this to our website, is the alternate ending, which is, Julie, what you thought was truly going to happen is Chris goes to jail. But he doesn't get shot. He doesn't get shot. He goes to jail. 
I mean, that's still bad. What I thought was going to happen the first time I watched this movie and the cop car pulled up, I thought the cop was going to get out and start yelling at him and then just shoot him dead. Oh, fuck. In this one, it's the alternate ending is a scene between Chris, who's in an orange jumpsuit behind glass, and Rod, who's meeting with him. And, and he's kind of like, look, man, like, there's, there's just nothing I can do. Like, they're just... Oh, that would have killed my It's so fucking sad. And then all Chris can say is, but it's over. Like, because he stopped it, you know? And then it's it's him being led back to his cell. And the idea is that he has life in prison because there's there's nothing. No one will believe him. Yeah. Just, and it's a dead, upstanding white family. Two doctors. And they're presumably well-educated children. And yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, that's yeah. heartbreaking. But, so, but at least his philosophy was the same as our our philosophy is like, what happened next? It's like, but at least it's over. Yes. No, nothing yeah. great happens, but at least it's over. <laughs> so, so yeah, so that's that's my film facts. Okay, sweet. Uh, so I did my real life lore mm-hmm. on hypnotism. I am going to go ahead and start with a definition of hypnotism because... I feel like it's one of those things that we joke about and we use a lot. Like even um, when Doctor, when the female Doctor Armitage at the beginning of the movie, she's like, oh, you're getting very sleepy and like makes a joke that um, Chris has seen too many movies. I think that we all kind of think we know what hypnosis is, but maybe we don't. Mm -hmm. So according to Britannica, Mm -hmm. hypnosis is a special psychological state with certain physiological attributes resembling sleep only superficially and marked by a functioning of the individual at a level of awareness other than the ordinary conscious state. This state is characterized by a degree of increased receptiveness and responsiveness in which inner experiential perceptions are given as much significance as is generally given only to external reality. Yeah, did you get all that? <laughs> I got parts of it, and then other parts I was just like, <laughs> same though. I was hypnotized by your voice, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Uh, that also freaked. Me. I've decided that um, hypnosis. This is a new fear I have. So, <laughs> in ancient times, forms of hypnosis were used throughout the world. Practically all ancient cultures, including the Sumerian, Persian, Chinese, Indian, Egyptian, Greek, and Roman. Mm use hypnosis in some form. In Egypt and Greece, the sick often went to healing places known as sleep temples or dream temples to be cured by hypnosis. In ancient India, the Sanskrit book known as the Law of Manu described different levels of hypnosis um, as sleepwalking, dream sleep, and and ecstasy sleep. Mm. So some of the earliest possible evidence of hypnosis for healing comes from the Egyptian Eberus Papryas, Mm -hmm dating to 1550 BC. Um, Another Egyptian papyrus from around the 3rd century CE describes the laying of hands on the patient, hand passes, and eye fixation, which so the eye fixation would be like um, the swinging of the the stopwatch Mm. that they make jokes about. Mm -hmm. But modern hypnosis as we know it began with Franz Mesmer, an Austrian physician who lived from 1734 to 1850. Uh, hey, Nettie, yeah. <laughs> what does the name Mesmer make you think of? Mesmerize. That's right, Mesmerize. You win all the prizes. Yay! 
So in its early forms, hypnosis was called mesmerizing or magnetism. Mesmer believed that all living things had animal magnetism, which does not mean what you think it means. (laughs) (laughs) It's an invisible natural force, kind of like a life force. Mesmer believed that when people were ill, it was because of an imbalance in their animal magnetism, which he could fix with his own magnetism. He would induce a trance in his patients using magnets. Uh, He would apply magnets to the patient's bodies in elaborate theatrical rituals that often resulted in expected spasmodic muscular contractions and collapse. (laughs) His patients often did improve, but not because of the power of the magnets or mesmer's own animal magnetism but because of the hypnosis that resulted which was kind of just like a happy byproduct that he didn't fully understand he was doing um so he's also this is just a side note he's also responsible in part for seances Oh no! Um, but we'll say that for another episode oh i want to know now (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna have to pick a movie tell me (laughs) um i'm just gonna jump some years to modern hypnosis as we know it. Mm. Uh, the term hypnosis was coined by Scottish ophthalmologist James Braid in 1841. Mm. The term references hypnos, the Greek god of sleep. Mm. Braid was the first to explore hypnosis as psychological. So that kind of leads us into modern day hypnosis. Mm. Um, I do want to tell. So one of the things that freaks me out about hypnosis mm. Not even addressing the concept of this sunken place, which I don't, I don't think is a real hypnosis thing, but who knows? Mm-hmm. You're in such a suggestive state when you're under hypnosis that an unethical hypnotist, or I suppose like anybody else that's in the room, could plant false memories in your head. And there are even people who like, they're like, oh, I'm a memory hacker. Like I know how to plant false memories. Whoa. Like there's a Vice article about a woman who calls herself a memory hacker. Holy shit. Which I find incredibly disturbing. Uh-huh. I have some stories okay. about memory hackers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe they probably wouldn't call themselves that. But in 1986, Nadine Cool, a nurse's aide in Wisconsin, sought therapy from a psychiatrist to help her cope with her reaction to a traumatic event experienced by her daughter. During therapy, the psychiatrist used hypnosis and other suggestive techniques to dig out buried memories of abuse that Cool herself had allegedly experienced. In the process, Cool became convinced that she had repressed memories of having been in a satanic cult, of eating babies, <laughs> yeah, of being raped, of having sex with animals, and of being forced to watch the murder of her eight-year-old friend. She came to believe that she had more than 120 personalities, oh my God. children, adults, angels, and even a duck. Ugh. All because, Cool was told, she had experienced severe childhood, sexual, and physical abuse. The psychiatrist also performed exorcisms on her, one of which lasted for five hours and included the sprinkling of holy water and screams for Satan to leave Cool's body. What? So... None of this stuff ever happened. Holy shit. This was all things that were just implanted into Cool's mind. So when she realized that, she sued the psychiatrist for malpractice, which I think is a fucking understatement. There should be some sort of criminal retribution for this, but whatever. But in March 1997, after five weeks of trial, her case was settled out of court for $2.4 million. (sighs) Likewise, in Missouri in 1992... A church counselor helped a woman named Beth Rutherford 
to remember during therapy that her father, also a clergyman, had regularly raped her between the ages of 7 and 14, and that her mother sometimes helped him by holding her down. Under her therapist's guidance, Rutherford developed memories of her father twice impregnating her and forcing her to abort the fetus herself with a coat hanger. The father had to resign from his post as a clergyman when the allegations were made public. Later medical examination of the daughter revealed, however, that she was still a virgin at the age of 22 Mm -hmm. and had never, ever been pregnant. So they sued the therapist and received a $1 million settlement in 1996. So those are, I I could go on. (laughs) I found a lot more examples of false like memory hacking. Um, But I'm just going to leave it at those two because that's a real fucking bummer. Fuck, that's like such a new fear. What the fuck? Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> New fear. <laughs> like, I could never allow myself to go under hypnosis now because I would be terrified of something like this happening to me. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And also, um, just for people who want a, a deeper understanding of what actual, real, good hypnosis can accomplish – WebMD mm-hmm. has a great article on hypnosis where they put in um, in very uh, easy to digest layman's terms mm. uh, what hypnosis is. So, like, if anybody's really interested, I highly recommend going and reading that. Um, if I were to try to summarize this, I would just be reading that full web page for everybody. So I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and I do want to end my real lore section on um, a more lighthearted story. Mm-hmm. So I found this story on Reddit on a thread where people told their own hypnosis stories. <laughs> and one this one Reddit user, and I'll, I'll link to this in my show notes, of course. All of my research, I, I put the links of where it came from in the show notes. Mm-hmm. So this Reddit user wrote, It was a strange sensation. The guy put me under and then told me to forget certain things, like the number seven or the name of one of my friends in the room, then woke me up. He asked, What's five plus two? I knew it was seven. My brain knew it was seven. I'm not a child. I can do simple math. <laughs> I just could not say the number seven. He even had me count my fingers one by one, and each time I came up with 11. Whoa. So, I mean, even that's still a little disturbing, but also a little funny. Right, so. <laughs> but just, like, the fact that, like, something as innocuous as that. Fuck. Yeah, isn't that troubling? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, the power behind that. I will also link to, um, in my show notes, I'll also link to that Vice article I was talking please, about please. with the memory hacker. I don't I don't think this memory hacker is unethical. Like, I think she's just right. talking about yeah. it. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not shading her. But yeah, so I'll, I'll link to all of that in the show notes. <laughs> and that's it. That's the real lore behind hypnosis. Oh my gosh. <laughs> my new fear. Oh my gosh. Well, no, okay, so I want to jump in right into games on the new fear. Greetings and welcome. So one thing I just wanted to float out was it was when I was reading about how Peel talked about that this film really echoed one of his greatest fears. Um, and so what's one of the what's what's a movie off the top of your head that exemplifies one of your greatest fears, like a horror movie? Oh, um, sorry, I should have given you this in advance. So you had time to think about it. I can also. How would I save it for next time? Do you want me to save this one? Yeah, yeah. then I can think yep, about perfect. it. Then I can actually come up with an example. Yes, like, I know kind of where my, what type of example I'm going to try to find, but that way I'll actually be able to have a movie to reference. Perfect. I'll save it for next time. Okay. Julie, are you ready to play some games? I am so ready. Okay. All right. So, you're the victim. 
Would you rather have to be body snatched, for lack of better words, via skeleton key with the body switching or (laughs) get out with the body sharing? (laughs) I had the same. This was also my would you rather (laughs) that I came up with. I love it. Um, I think I would go with skeleton key. Yeah. Because the sunken place is terrifying. Mm Mm-hmm. And I would not want to have that passenger like there because I feel like at a certain point, it's kind of like with Walter shooting himself in the head. At a certain point, you would just want to opt out. Yeah. Out of being a passenger and you wouldn't be able to. That's a really good point. Yep. And especially since they're they're probably not targeting me at 31. They're going to target people who are like 25. Yeah. Like they're going to go for younger is better. So like you have a lot. That's a lot of years. Yeah. That you have to just uh, hang out in your point. own body. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I would do skeleton key as well. Because for me, I was just, like, horrified about the idea of, like, all of a sudden being, like, 88 years old and, and infirm and, and all this stuff. But you're right. At least you'd have your own autonomy and you wouldn't be right. trapped in this, like you said, years-long hell with... And there might also be some hope if you're in the other body. It's like, maybe I can find a spell to reverse this back. <gasps> Yeah. Mm, yep. Good answer. Yeah. Okay. Um, would you would you rather eat Fruit Loops and drink milk like Rose does <laughs> every day for a year, or spend no. one month in the literal sunken place? Uh I am I allowed to eat other things, or am I only eating fruit? That's fruit what loops you have to milk? eat for breakfast every day. Okay, I'm gonna do that one. Okay. Me. A month in the sunken place is a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I, was just, I had like a day and then I had a week and that seemed like too like easy. <laughs> I was trying to come. No, a week even sounds too long. Like I might do a day yeah. if it got me out of eating fruit. Because I don't even like fruit loops. <laughs> if it got me out of eating fruit loops every day, I might do a day. Yeah. But even a week is too long. Oh my gosh. Well, okay. So here's my like twisted um, admission when it comes to cereal. So I, I actually had that for breakfast and I did, I did Cocoa Pebbles because it's delicious and it turns your milk into chocolate milk. And it's delicious. Um, Nutty's an adult. <laughs> but, She's married and has a mortgage. Okay, okay. He also has his his cereal up on top of the fridge too. It's cinnamon toast crunch. So <laughs> Jesus. But okay, when it comes to things like Fruit Loops, I eat them dry. I don't eat them with milk either. So how are you less of a psych? I mean, I guess you're not drinking your milk. I'm not drinking my milk through a straw. And you're not biting the Fruit Loops in half. (laughs) I don't do that. But I really, I have to eat my Cocoa Pebbles really fast because they get so soggy. So Rice Krispie Treats, or not Rice Krispie Treats, sorry. Rice Krispies, um, Frosted Flakes, Fruit Loops, I all eat that without um, milk. No, that's weird. I um, eat adult cereal and I eat it with milk. (laughs) Do you check it for fiber content? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not quite that bad. (laughs) I'm just like, this one makes chocolate milk. (laughs) It's my favorite. (laughs) Okay. um, And then this last question is, it's, it's less of a would you rather, just sort of like if you could, what would you do? So combining this idea of skeleton key and get out, we've done recently. So if you had the ability to become immortal... And we're going to say it's not through a horrific means the way the film does. What is one additional hobby that you would add to your life? Uh, like, so I'm immortal, so I have a unlimited yeah, time. Like, like what would like, I want to like learn how to do? what's something that you would, you would dedicate yourself to a little bit more? 
I'm sorry. Now I'm just thinking about in Groundhog Day where he like learns to play the piano and like learns ice sculpting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that's a good question. I don't. Why don't you answer this question and I'll take a minute to think about it. Mine was kind of cheese balls, but I genuinely think I would like to learn like another language. Yeah. Like I, I mean, you could do that now. I know, but, you know, <laughs> if I was immortal. I mean, that's, I think that's what my brain keeps coming back to is I'm like, oh, I mean, what could I, like, what would I need more time <laughs> than, like, what I could do now? Like, what am I not willing to take on yeah. that I also want to do? Yeah. I think I, would, I think I would just, like, learn either one or multiple languages. That's something that, like, I don't think is gonna, I'm gonna do in my lifetime, but, like, if I had a really long time, then I, then I probably would. Okay, I'm going to sound like such an asshole here, but I feel like everything I want to do, I already do. That's badass. That's an <laughs> awesome answer. I like it. No, that's a so very like, good answer. So, like, I don't answer. know. That's a very good answer. Okay, what is our next pick? It's going to be The Ruins, because I finished the book about a week ago. So, <sighs> I want to... Jesus Christ. Last, last episode, you were like, if I can finish it in time, and then now you're like, a week ago, I fucking crushed it. <laughs> Well, it was a it was a much faster read than I expected it to be because I was reading the mass market paperback, so it was a little over five hundred pages. I'm like, oh, like this is a big quote unquote book, so like it might take me some time, but it was a very fast read. It was very the book is five out of five. I feel like the movie is not going to be, so we'll see see what happens. (laughs) I didn't know there was a book, and that actually like terrifies me even more. Because the ruins does give me the heebie-jeebies, let alone fucking reading That's about fair. it in detail. Oh my god! Oh. The, the ruins is also new fears. <laughs> oh. So many new fears are discovered. <laughs> so many new fears. So we're gonna do the ruins. I'm I'm very excited. I'm very excited too. Okay, guys. So if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, if you could go ahead and give us five stars and maybe maybe review, we'd really appreciate it. Yeah. It would mean a lot to us. Yeah. And make sure to follow us on Instagram at Lawn Horror Podcast. Twitter at Lawn Horror Pod. We have a Facebook page, Lawn Horror. Check out our website, lawnhorror.com. Send us an email at lawnhorror at gmail.com. And you can also leave us a voicemail at 909-666-0159. Hey guys, never drop your weapon. And don't forget to double tap. Musical fade out. <laughs>